1: Yes, it is. Welcome back Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. No doubt you've heard that Andrew Cuomo has resigned. The governor of New York issued his uh, statement in a long speech today. His uh, resignation will be effective two weeks hence, making me think of not for the first time. Dr. Seuss's 1972 book, Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? The time has come. The time is now. Just go. But here's the thing. As big a story as it is today, as big of a story as it was last week, I promise you by Friday it will be forgotten. Test me out. See if I'm right. It'll be forgotten by Friday. That's how quickly... We move and we'll go back to Delta variants, if not new ones. Now, one of the interesting things I noted in Andrew Cuomo's statement today, res- uh, statement of resignation today, is he still maintains that the business of government is a matter of life and death, and it has, so, his words, so many more important things to do, like dealing still. With the virus that invaded us from Europe. That was his language today. A virus that invaded us from Europe. I don't know who he thinks he's kidding. I don't know why he thinks it's smart to keep saying that. It makes him sound like an idiot, as far as I'm concerned. This virus did not come from Europe, and everybody knows it. You know who knows it more than anyone? People in Europe. People in Europe, ask Italians if they're responsible. Ask the French if they're responsible. By the way, speaking of the French, in which it's easy to give a pejorative word now and again, I will say this about their pride and their national pride. By the hundreds of thousands they are protesting there. Are you seeing these stories? No, you are not. By the hundreds of thousands, if they were protesting a war that a Republican was waging, the media would cover it. But they are protesting by the tens and hundreds of thousands in France against vaccine mandates. As my friend Bill Bennett likes to say, we started with let's roll. Are we now at the point of, we'll wait and see? The French are shaming us. The French are shaming us in at least their ability to stand up for freedom. But the notion that this came from Europe, are we going to call the Delta variant the India virus? Can we? I don't know. I don't think it's that important at this point, but Governor Cuomo thinks it'll keep him in good check with the woke crowd if he continues to protect China, I suppose. There was an invasion of a virus, and everyone knows it, and every country in the world knows it, and it was from China. It was not from Europe. The notion that he wants to foist this on a continent of, I suppose, white people rather than on a continent of perceived minority status, if that's the best that wokeism gives us, a lie, a falsity when it comes to public health, I don't know why this man was ever believed, but believed he was, and for a long time, he was the better president, the better manager of COVID. He was the shadow president. He was what we wish we had as a president. And when someone like Janice Dean dared pop out of her weatherman box, of her meteorologist box, and complain about what the attorney general of New York later verified— which was that Andrew Cuomo was fudging death statistics and fudging his plans that led to the deaths of thousands of elderly Americans by stuffing them in congregate settings where the disease could spread like wildfire, she was denounced. She was denounced as backward and unsophisticated by the likes of former CNN journalist Soledad O'Brien, who tweeted, now let's hear from the meteorologists. I don't know, Soledad, seems like you want to hear from meteorologists on some things, just not others. And I don't know what your degrees in, Soledad, but for years and years and years, we have to listen to you and had to listen to you on a whole range of topics I'm not sure you were qualified for. But Janice Dean lost her husband's parents to the actions of Governor Cuomo, and she had every right to speak of it. And shame on the left for throwing Cuomo in our faces— but, of course, to have shame requires you to blush, and that's something the Democrats don't do. It gets me to something a little bit bigger that we talk about here from time to time. I was noticing um, over the past few days several conservatives, Ali Beth Stuckey, Eric Erickson, they were banned from Twitter. They were put in Twitter jail for writing such things. And I'll quote Ellie Beth Stuckey. Remember, you can threaten docs, harassed, post porn, spread Chinese propaganda and tweet as a member of a terrorist regime here on Twitter. But you cannot call a man he because that is promoting violence, as she did over one particular weightlifting Olympian. She got banned on Twitter for saying that. Eric Erickson also got banned for saying the rate lifter known as Laurel Hubbard was a man. It's interesting, as he later would say, I'm sorry, but Laurel Hubbard is a man, even if Twitter doesn't like it. The funny thing about the left, the funny thing about progressivism, and the funny thing that even the Attorney General gave voice to last week, is that my truth is more important than the truth. Now, Anyone can identify as anything in a free world or a free country, but it does not require us to accept what they identify as. It does not, it does not make it incumbent upon the rest of us to go along with either foolishness, unscience, or in some cases perhaps even mental infirmity. It does not require us to do that. You are allowed to say anything you want so long as you're a progressive. I just think pointing out the truth or disagreeing as a conservative or as a human being that knows and believes gender to be binary, they have an equal right to say it. What's interesting about all this is that the left has seized on something that they didn't used to ever stand for. If the left stood for anything, and we knew this from every piece of writing and academic literature they produced, and it is and was mountainous, if they believed anything, it was that truth was indeed relative. That if one were to criticize another culture or country's practices, one could be considered a racist a bigot, a xenophobe. One could be characterized even as a colonialist or imperialist. Modern social science, political science, anthropology, sociology, could never condemn practices of other cultures, whether it was human sacrifice or polygamy, whether it was even cannibalism or sute. That was just part of the other people's culture, after all, and who's to say ours was better than theirs? That was, after all, supremacy. And indeed, when one thinks of these notions of value-free social science, that's what it was called, value-free social science, social science, anthropology, it may deny, for example, as Harry Jaffa once put it, Nazi assertions as to the inequality of races by denying or criticizing any positive evidence that the Nazi scientists may bring forward in support of their doctrines. But the anthropologists would never contest the right of human beings in another culture or another society to form the kind of culture or society they wanted. In other words, they did not contest the right of Nazis to be Nazis, they do not talk about violations of women's rights as we understand them, if that's just part of another culture. Take Sute for instance. This comes to the fore to me, not because Eric Erickson or Ali Beth Stuckey or other conservatives have been banned from Twitter for pointing out that a boy born with boy parts is a boy and a girl born with girl parts is a girl, But it has now traveled into other forms and areas of academia. Right now, there's a problem going on, according to some, with regard to women and gender studies in the Middle East, where the truth is, according to the modern dispensation and the progressives, that Israel is the problem and Palestine is the solution to women's rights and gender. We'll talk about that when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 Given what I was just saying about the deficit of actual or the truth and the rise and promotion of subjective truth, sometimes called my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth, I suppose one can add pronouns as well to the mix. It's an interesting thing that if you are a conservative and question someone's own identification with the truth, i.e. that someone who claims to be a woman is actually a man, you will be put in what they used to call in Great Britain, you will be sent to Coventry, you will be banned in Boston, you will be deplatformed, you will be taken off Twitter and Facebook as Eric Erickson and others have experienced And yet, and yet, in the academy, you can be taught all kinds of falsehoods and non-truths, as if they are objective truths. This country was founded to protect slavery, so saith the 1619 Project, until it edited that section out in the darkness of night without telling anyone, or that the country was founded in 1619. Simply not true. It's simply not true. There was an argument over whether this country was founded to expand or, or shrink and curtail and end slavery. And there were two sides to that. The modern left takes the losing side and what we think of today, I'd hope we'd think of today as the false side. But to question that gets you. Removed from respectability and social media. It's an interesting story that popped up here. From Yale to UCLA to Stanford to Penn to Notre Dame to Butler to USC, you name the school, you are finding a host of gender studies departments converging and uniting around a project to condemn Israel. It's a fascinating study in asininity. The organization Gender Studies Departments, well, the organization is called Gender Studies Palestinian Solidarity. Gender Studies Departments in Solidarity with Palestinian Feminist Collectives. And these departments of Gender Studies, like at USC, like at Penn, like at Yale, are signing on to this statement put together by this feminist collective. If you go to its website, it's a fascinating thing. You, of course, see the flag of Palestine, and you see these feminists say exactly this. We stand in solidarity with the people of Palestine. We unequivocally answer and amplify the call from the Palestinian Feminist Collective for feminists everywhere to speak up, organize, and join the struggle for Palestinian liberation. Not women's liberation, Palestinian liberation. Let me continue with what the statement says. The right-wing ethno-nationalist violence in Israel is often accompanied with the vile chant, Death to Arabs. We do not subscribe to a both-sides rhetoric that erases the military, economic, media, and global power that Israel has Over Palestine. This is not a conflict that is too controversial and complex to assess. As gender studies departments in the United States, we are the proud benefactors of decades of feminist, anti racist, and anti colonial activism that informs the foundation of our discipline. Palestinian feminists know that Palestine is a feminist issue. In this solidarity, we call for the end of Israel's occupation of Palestine and for the Palestinian right to return. We call for a liberation of the Palestinians from Gaza to the Galilee. Do you realize what that means? Do you realize what that means when they call for the liberation from Gaza to the Galilee? Well, they already have Gaza. The Galilee is in the heart of northern Israel. It's not even in occupied, quote-unquote, occupied territories. They also speak of the Nakba. The Nakba is the 1948 founding of Israel, which in Arabic means catastrophe. It's not Palestinian or women's rights, this movement of gender studies in solidarity with the Palestinian wants. They want the end of Israel. And the reason I can say that, despite the fact that their geography says as much, is that when you look at the way Palestine in Gaza or the West Bank treats women and gender issues, you would think they're talking about some backward antediluvian period of time that is best represented by the worst kind of dystopian novels, feminist authors could write. Abortion rights? Not allowed in the Palestinian territories because of the Palestinians and Muslim law. That's why Palestinian women who seek abortions sneak into Israel, where you have that quote-unquote right. How about LGBTQ rights? Ten years in prison in Gaza, which Israel left stock, lock and barrel in 2005, 15 years ago. Totally Palestinian run. Israel has no say over feminism or LGBTQ rights in Gaza. Ten years in prison for being gay. That's why homosexuals in Gaza try and sneak into Israel, where Israel can boast such things as a gay minister of justice. That is to say, attorney general of the country Israel, in its Likud Benjamin Netanyahu party, had a gay attorney general. If you are looking for LGBTQ and feminist rights in the Middle East, there's only one country you would look to, Israel. If you cared about feminists or LGBTQ rights you would not be advocating the destruction of the one country that grants them. If you cared about the Middle East, feminist, and LGBTQ rights, you would go after the very policies and practices that take place routinely and daily in Gaza and the West Bank. If you are Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and maintain the views that you maintain on family formation, on women's rights, on LGBTQ issues, and you professed them at a school or university or any public sphere in Gaza, you would be arrested. If you did so in the West Bank, the same. The notion that American college and university departments in the name of feminism and LGBTQ rights would seek the destruction of Israel is another example of the left not caring about what it says it cares about. It does not care about LGBTQ rights. It does not care about feminine rights. They exist in a country in the Middle East. To the American left, that's the country that needs to be disposed of. Truth, their truth, and falsehood. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 508 The head of the American Federation of Teachers, the Teachers Union, Randy Weingarten, says, quote, I think we need to be working with our employers, not opposing them on vaccine mandate dates. Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors quoting deadline.com ordered plans be drafted that would require proof of vaccination to enter many public spaces in New York. The mayor has declared for the same thing. Why? Why the vaccine mandate? Why the proof of vaccination to enter a public space? Why the requirement that children wear masks. We know that children are not the problem. We also know that something like 90% of teachers, public school teachers, have received the vaccine. I would suggest to Randy Weingarten, if you're worried about your teachers, which is your job, and 90% of them are vaccinated, you have a 90% confidence, don't you? Don't you, shouldn't you work on that other 10%? And are you going to require of your teachers they get vaccinated? If so, why? Why? Has a child given it to a teacher? Has a child been given it by a teacher? Here's your CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, talking to Wolf Blitzer, just this past weekend bill do you have rochelle walensky handy
2: do you think the cdc and others for example got the messaging wrong when it comes to breakthrough cases people who are fully vaccinated but get COVID? experts have repeatedly insisted that breakthrough cases are rare almost dismissing fears but would it have been better to give a more nuanced explanation about what to expect
3: i think we all have to recognize that um, with 164 million people who are vaccinated Um, we should expect tens of thousands, perhaps, of uh, breakthrough infections. But the most important thing is not the number of the breakthrough infections, but what happens here. Those breakthrough infections have mild illness. They are staying out of the hospital. They are not dying. And I think that that's the most important thing to understand. We have a massive number of people who are vaccinated, and and, um, those breakthrough infections tend to be mild and not severe. That's question
1: one. We'll go to question two in a second. Just pause it for a moment. Just be very clear on what she's saying. We should be focusing on the outcomes from COVID, not the cases of COVID. If that's true, please someone explain to me why all we're hearing about in places like Florida is cases and not deaths. It's because the number of deaths are so much smaller, so fewer than anything Throughout the COVID pandemic, people are not dying from COVID in the hundreds per day or even in the 20s or 30s per day, the way they were prior to the vaccine and even at the advent of the vaccine. Now go to the second, que- the second question Wolf Blitzer asks, because this goes to vaccination proof and mandate.
2: Uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection, can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions?
3: And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So, yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness. So, yes, they can.
1: The people who are vaccinated can transmit covid To the unvaccinated, as well as to the vaccinated. The vaccinated population that has acquired COVID is now close to 130,000 Americans. So if my friend Steve is not vaccinated and my friend Bill is vaccinated, Rochelle Walensky, what's the difference? The difference is... One may be more poorly affected if they obtain COVID. Oh, but they can both transmit COVID. Yes, they can both transmit COVID. She's admitted that. So really the only point of the vaccine is to reduce the severity of the illness if you have it. Yes, that's right. Then why do we need mandates and proof? If the difference between me and might be vaccinated and Steve who might not be vaccinated in going in to a Circle K or a 7-Eleven is that we can both transmit it. There's no difference. And thus, no reason, no reason to mandate that we have to show who's vaccinated. We are in the exact same position in giving it to someone else. We may not be in the same position If we get it ourselves, but when you put on your seatbelt, though it's mandated, do you expect the police to say you can't go on in your car or on the highway until you prove you're wearing a seatbelt? Guess what? That's coming, too. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine
2: six zero. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, my brother and fellow fighter for the right.
1: How are you, sir?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good, Seth. I'm doing good. Thanks for talk- taking my call. You bet. It was uh, it was so terrific to meet you the other day and uh, get to visit with you for a little bit. It,
1: it was the honor and privilege was mine. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you. Me too. <clears throat> I have been uh, listening uh, with rapt attention yesterday and today uh, at your show, and they've been great, and I have just been trying to – join with you in saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I, <laughs> that's, that's, isn't that Jesse Waters? Minute, that's,
1: that's Jesse Waters book or something. That, I look, that's
2: our objective is to save the yes,
1: world. Yes. 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 That that's is right. That, that is our objective. For. That is our objective. One person at a time.
2: Yes. There you go. There you go. Y- you remember what Zig Ziegler said, don't you?
1: Well, I know who he is, but I don't remember what specifically well, you might be aiming at
2: well right right he, he was a motivational speaker of course and he used to say that if you aim at nothing you are sure to hit it
1: we have uh, we have the Zig Ziglar um, uh, school of management uh, yes. so that has suffused uh, 960 the Patriot for in our kitchen uh, stenciled on our wall is only one quote
2: uh huh. Which and one is it?
1: You miss all the shots you don't take.
2: Okay. Well, that goes right. That pretty much goes right along with yes. that. Yes. Yes. But I'm glad to be. I'm glad to be with you in the objective of saving the world. Thank you. And I want to throw this out for consideration. Uh, I've been thinking about this. We, you've been talking about, and your listeners, and and guests, and whatnot. We we talk about. The fact that those on the left just seem to throw anything and everything against the wall, and they get away with it, they can say anything, they can do anything, they get away with it. How is it that they have, I mean, even amongst themselves, they may contradict, and but they, they continue to plow ahead. And so I think I came across the reason for their cohesion. Yes, yeah, David Horowitz wrote a book entitled Rules for the Revelation, the Alinsky Model. Okay. And there's a quote in there that I think captures the reason for for this cohesion. He says, quote, the New Republic's Ryan Liza nicely illustrates that when Alinsky when Alinsky would ask new students why they wanted to organize, they would invariably respond with selfless bromides about wanting to help others. Alinsky would then scream back at them that there was a one-word answer. You want to organize for power,
1: mm-hmm. he would say. hmm 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 Perfect. Perfect. I think, I think that's, Organizing for power is the first part. And then we have to ask the question, see if you agree, Rick, power for what? Because it's not power to implement, you know, the agenda of Ronald Reagan. Right. It's not power to implement an agenda that you and I would agree with. Right. What is the power for? The power is for to change constitutional norms, of course, starting with the judiciary Right. And breaking down constitutional strictures against what government can do or can't do so that they can then go and engage in their progressive dream, which the American people would never vote for if they were to vote for it on uh, specified grounds. There is nothing I don't believe in the leftist agenda that if given a fair airing and a fair vote piecemeal, the American people would right now support more and more, more and more. Than before, but are you really going to tell me that the American people, by and large, think that women should compete in male sports and men should go into women's bathrooms?
2: Excellent point.
1: Uh, Excellent th- 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 point. There, there's no possible way that can be. That's right. In fact, if you if you vote specifically on race preferences in the most liberal state in the country, what is the most liberal state in the country? Can we agree at least California gets an airing to yes. that claim, yes. if you vote specifically on racial preferences in California, they vote against it, right. being, despite being outspent 20 to 1 by the progressives. Yeah. On the very specific issues, when given the fair hearing, it's usually what's considered the conservative policy that will win. But right. when it's bundled together into a party and you can blame your opponent's opposition on white supremacy or racism, that's when you get comprehensive disaster. And that's why the left always likes to do everything with a comprehensive plan.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree with you completely, uh, Seth. And and let me add one more thing, too. I think that uh, power is not the means, but it is the end, because it means to them control. And this is where the left and America diverge diametrically.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The
2: left wants to control everything from the top down. America was founded uh, to allow us to control our lives and ourselves from the bottom up. Perfect. And so we've got two diametrically opposed approaches. And they cannot both exist.
1: Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, uh, that's the house divided argument, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah, it
1: is. It'll cease being divided. It'll be all one thing or the other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's got to be. Exactly. Gotta be. Hey, brother, thanks for a great show so far and look forward to the rest of it.
1: I love when you call me brother because I know you mean it.
2: I absolutely do. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks, Seth.
1: Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Danny's in Phoenix. Hi, Danny.
0: Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well,
1: sir. How are you?
0: I'm very well. Thank you. So um, you had made the comment earlier comparing um, the COVID mandates against laws
1: yeah and i'm and, not sure i'm right to do so but go ahead
0: yeah i, I kind of wanted to play devil's advocate in a way i am i'm opposed to the uh the covid mandates. however um i am kind of pro seatbelt laws as well sure um and and you can kind of compare the two because if you're talking about uh you know Getting the COVID vaccine in order to prevent yourself from getting further ill or severely ill, you can compare it to, you know, maybe uh, in order to save their lives should they get into an accident.
1: Uh, You cut out right at an important point, Danny. If you're getting the COVID vaccine, that's all right. It wasn't your fault. If you're getting a COVID vaccine to protect yourself, and then how did you finish that sentence?
0: And, and it, you can compare it to a seatbelt um, mandating people to wear a seatbelt uh, in order to save their lives yeah. should they get into an accident. Sure,
1: sure. But what is the – man? But that, right. I, so far we're in agreement. But my point had to do with mandates and enforceable mandates. If you don't wear right. a seatbelt in Arizona and in a lot of states, a lot of big states, if you don't wear a seatbelt – There's no one that makes it a condition for you to start the car. In fact, you can't even be pulled over for merely not wearing a seatbelt. And if you are, if you are, it's not you can't drive. It's not your license is suspended. It's not you can't go on Main Street or MLK Boulevard. You know what it is? It's $10. It's $10. $10 less than the price of cigarettes.
0: Right, but regardless, it's still ten dollars out of your pocket. It is still a
1: penalty. Sure, sure. Um, now, with the least amount of enforcement. In fact, tell me the last time you knew anyone who got ticketed or cited for not wearing a seatbelt.
0: Yeah, you'd have to be kind of a jerk cop to write that ticket.
1: Well, you'd have to be a jerk to write that ticket. As much as you, you know, you. It's it's just not. It's it's not. It is something for your own safety. It's probably a good idea. It comes by the way. Maybe my analogy is okay, after all. It comes, by the way, with a lot of exceptions in various states, depending on the year of the car, by the way. I think in Arizona, if the car was manufactured after 1973 or something, it applies. If before, it doesn't. Also depends on ages of passengers, and the back seat does not have a requirement. Because in car accidents, you know, backseat passengers never get injured. Just like vaccinated people from COVID never die, but yet they do. Am I willing to believe the science that says they will have better outcomes if they get COVID? You bet. I'd like to see the CDC put that study out. The only one they've put out says the opposite.